Hey, everybody. It's Dave here. Today on the podcast, we have a uh, Ask Dave mailbag for you guys. It's something that we have said we wanted to do a little bit more of because we get a lot of great questions from you all, and we want to make sure that we answer every single one of them. And whew, we got some good ones today. So here we go. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you to Yola Tango, as always, for letting us use their music in the introduction. I was just telling Chris and Isaac that uh, I totally fucked up. Somehow, I pressed a goddamn link on my social media feeds that is clearly some kind of Russian hacking thing. <laughs> and um, good luck to them, because I have... If you know me, I have the most stupid fucking passwords and completely unorganized. And I almost want to write an email saying, if you guys can organize it for me, that would be great. <laughs> you can have all the access you want. Just please figure out what my password was. Because it's a hot mess. I don't even know all the passwords that I have and email accounts and everything. So, God, what a nightmare. Isaac, I doubt that you have this issue, but I certainly do. And now I have to change every <laughs> no, fucking don't. password and every goddamn email and every two-step verification. What I love about this, Dave, is you know that old that old saw whenever a, a celebrity posts something horrible on Twitter and then they say, like, I got hacked. At least we're preemptively telling people that if you see anything horrible and offensive on uh, the Dave Chang show or Dave Chang Instagram or anything from our social media. Yeah. So let me tell you what happened. It was like, uh, I get up at like 5.45, right? in the morning these days, usually to sort of just lie in bed for 15 minutes because I get emails coming in from East Coast time. And I checked uh, Instagram and I clicked on a message and I don't always read DMs, but I saw there was a message and there was a message saying from some verified person from Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm tired. I don't know why. I decided to click it. And I'm like, I'm not going to click it again because it certainly seems weird, but I read everything pretty quickly, seems legit, and I click it again, and then I realize, like, I fucked up. I should not have clicked this. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I opened God. Pandora's box, oh. and then immediately I got an email from the security system from some random place in, in on the East Coast saying that they tried to get into the account, and I said to myself, oh, fuck. So I, I, I've been for the past several hours in between conference calls trying to figure out how to change my passwords 
linking it to my phone numbers. I have three phone numbers. Oh my god. <laughs> it's oh, it's 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 a fucking nightmare and I need help and no one can help me because they need access to information that I don't have to fix it. So <laughs> I genuinely say to anyone that's trying to hack into my shit, please organize it for me. <laughs> it's like it's like the equivalent of like finding I feel I feel like Dave this is the equivalent of finding your first digital gray hair where you're like, "Oh no." I'm an old person who just clicked on a phishing scam. I know. I just, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I was thinking. Hey, they're really realistic now. I, I recently got a DM from like a Twitter account that had like 11,000 followers being like, your account is in copyright infringement or whatever. And it looked really realistic. Like I, I, I had a moment, I'm 25 years old. I should know better. But I had a moment where like, is this real? And then like, it took me five minutes to like look through the page and I'm like, ah, right, this ain't real. At least I didn't click on it, but they're making it very realistic nowadays. I had an I had an uncomfortable conversation with my dad who was like, um, I got this email that says, uh, well, that they have photos of me from my webcam doing these dirty things. And I was like, oh God. Whoa, Christian's dad, what the fuck? I don't, I don't want to have this conversation. Yo. He's like, well, they want me to click this thing. I was like, please, dad, first of all, I'm not going to ask you any more about whatever dirty things that they say they have photos of you doing, but also just please don't click anything ever. Just never click anything. Okay. That's a good uh, protocol to follow in general. Never click anything. <laughs> never click anything ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Well, you know, again, if anybody hears, gets any uh, inappropriate emails or sees anything inappropriate on, on Dave's various channels, you heard it here first. He allowed himself to be hacked. You ready to answer some Ask Dave questions, Shane? Yeah, yeah, please. Because, uh, like, you know, what's crazy is I'm going to answer these things, but just know, in the back of my head, I'm being hacked right now. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I can see it, man. I can see God damn not, it. Oh, man. All that, fully. All, I'm just telling you, all my shit talk about Trump gets me this. These fucking <laughs> MAGA bot motherfuckers. God damn it. <laughs> That is funny. You jumped on the Zoom call and you you immediately were like, "This is not. You're not a random target. This was a response to your yeah. Your like, anti-Trump all my shit sentiments. talk about proud boys and standing down gets me this shit. I know it. <laughs> give give it to me, buddy. Let me have it. Knowing the fragile state you're in, I'll, I'll try to take it easy a little bit here in the beginning. So Sean Fernandez writes on our iTunes page. Thank you for the five star rating, Sean, Sean Fernandez, based out of. Moscow for Sean, Sean, quote unquote, Fernandez says, Dave, what kind of tape or labels do you use in your kitchens? Traditionally, I've used blue painters tape or scotch tape in most of the kitchens I've cooked in. I've also used dissolvable labels in a few kitchens, including when I cooked in the U.S. Army. But those are very expensive and they don't stick well, especially if the surface is wet. I run a few kitchens in the Carolinas now, and this is often a debate amongst my cooks and dishwashers. Your thoughts? Sean, I, I've never even heard of a dissolvable label. Have you heard of one, Yang? I've never heard of it. I mean, it got me excited, but he says it's expensive. I'm sure it is, right? Like, that'd be amazing if you could just wash it and they, you don't have to peel them off. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, we've always used blue tape, the sort of, I want to say slogan, but so much of Momofuku lore is based around blue tape. We have shirts where it's like laminated blue tape, blue tape this, blue tape that. And almost all our restaurants have blue tape in a blue tape dispenser. When I say blue tape, it's painter's tape. It's great because you can put it on metal and plastic. 
And sometimes it will leave a that tape sort of scar if you wash it. That's what like not good, but ultimately it's very easy to use. It's easy to peel off. It's actually not cheap because you go through so much of it a day. And some kitchens use the light green tape. Um, we've never done that. I've seen white tape, but painter's tape is the tape of choice for us. Really quick, Dave, we, we should say in case, I mean, we've got a lot of professional cook listeners who, who are understanding what we're talking about, but the tape you're talking about is for labeling containers in the walk-in, labeling all your mise en place. Like every single thing in a professional kitchen gets a label with what it is and, and the date. And it's the source of much consternation for chefs. Yeah. Like, I think you got a couple of pet peeves about it. Yeah. I mean, like, I hate it when people use too much tape. I hate it when the edges are ripped off or not like neatly done. I'm, I can deal with like ripped off, but like, not like where you have one strand way longer. It should just be, I'm not looking for it to be like a Vulcan cutting it. Just, just sensible. Everything's sensible. And, and the writing on it is got to be legible. You need to put the date, you need to initial it, and you need to put what the ingredient is. And it's got to be in a clean container and all of these things, but you have to label. It is essential to your mise en place in a kitchen. And Oftentimes, it's not done well because it's the last thing you want to focus on is writing a neat label. You're like, I'm a, I didn't cook because of this, but no, 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 you have to. <laughs> and like, you can tell a lot by a label of somebody. If someone is using a label and they write ha- like a, they're recovering from a stroke, it means they're too fast or like they're just not caring enough. It always ultimately is about who cares. The biggest failure that I see with writing labels on painter's tape is the Sharpie is too, not necessarily It's been blunted. It's been blunted. And it looks like an alien language when they write it out. It's no longer Sharpie. It's It's no longer Sharpie. And the fact that they don't care about doing that. So this is the stuff that I look at in a walk-in. If I see someone like meticulously making it nice, it tells me that they care. If I see that the writing is done quickly, it seems to me like, and it's not just one label. If I see their label throughout the walk-ins and, and the freezers, and it's all very scribbly and it's not consistent, it shows to me that maybe I should keep an eye out on this cook because maybe they're constantly in the weeds or maybe they're not doing their job efficiently or effectively enough, or maybe they're goofing around, or maybe they're having issues at home or something because I will remember I will remember that, oh, this person had really great handwriting a month ago, and now it's not. And now it gets mm-hmm. worse. Mm-hmm. And then I can make a correlation in my head being like, oh, that was when they went down in the weeds. Oh, they've been in the weeds now all these times. And then I, I should take photos. I should just sort of show them. Like, I can tell a lot by the handwriting on, on a label. I can tell a lot by how they rip it. And I can tell a lot by if someone that was again, diligent at writing labels now is no longer doing it. Even if because they're not using a sharp pointed Sharpie, right? Where it's now just dull. It means that they don't care enough. They're slipping for some reason. We all make mistakes in doing this. I do. But you're not trying to make a decision on someone or situation with one event. And asshole Dave would normally go insane if I just saw one event where one thing was wrong. Now, I don't even in the kitchens really anymore, but I now try to make an assessment over a whole aggregate of these things. And it is a lot like we talk about in the book, you have to be Sherlock Holmes. And 
I'd become a fucking detective. <laughs> Dude, well, that's, like he just said, like that. I think he said something really interesting. He said, you know, maybe they don't care, or maybe they've got something going on. Yeah. Like maybe they're in a bad place right now. Like that's really interesting to me that you would discern that from their tape cutting. We spoke about this on the podcast a while back, I think with Kevin Clark when we were trying to get data on people. And one of the things I learned was if you sort of judge someone on their family meal, if you grade them, just in your mind, but we were doing this actually written out, if you grade them on the family meal and they usually do a great job and then all of a sudden, this actually happened, they were just getting twos and threes out of 10. And then they're late. And these are things that you may not notice because you're so busy in a restaurant, but if you look at a sheet of paper, the data doesn't lie. And you can see a correlation of it, you know, excellence now dropping and it's now sustained drop. Then again, younger David, are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then over time, I realized, well, maybe something is wrong, but maybe something is causing them. And I have one of that heartbreak before. You know, the, the biggest thing that I've seen over the years in cooking with someone's performance dropping precipitously is because of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is the key reason for people's work to suffer is I broke up or I had a fight at home. I'm, you know, something has happened in their life mostly because of their personal life. And secondly would be parent getting sick. Yeah. That is what I've seen over the years. And Listen, you don't want to be the person that says, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, if they've invested this time, you want to be able to say, hey, this is not like you. If you care to talk about it, you don't have to talk about it with me. You can talk about it with someone else, but we're here for you. We want to help out. We want to make sure that you have, you know, the resources available to you and just know that like what I want to be as individually and as a company, and I know that we fail in doing this all the time, and I don't, not just Momofugu, it's major domain media, it's anything. I want to be able to support someone in their good times as much as I do in their bad times, right? Like, I don't want to waver. And if someone is going to put that commitment, we have to be able to do better or worse, right? As That's a relationship, and that's how I look at it. And this is a long-ass answer to uh, Sean's question. but that's, No, I love it. That's what I can extrapolate from tape. And tape mm-hmm. is just one of the hundreds of things that you need to be as like a scout, like on a team, analyzing data, judging, evaluating talent as they progress through the day. So if I open Dave Chang's refrigerator right now, I mean, I I have a little insight into the sort of state of mind Dave Chang is in, but I want to hear if right this moment, if I were to open your refrigerator, am I looking at a nice, neat, organized thing? Are you getting a little sloppy in there? Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Very sloppy. Yeah, 100%. I get mad at myself every time I open up the fucking fridge. This is, a, this is a huge point of contention in our household as well. Yeah. I, try to be, I try to be neat, Dave, but here's, here's no. my pet peeve in the fridge. I hate the stacking of small containers on the bottom ascending in size up and then just like a giant thing. Bal- I hate things that are balanced in my refrigerator. Like a, yeah. like a I, hate, whole- I hate domestic refrigerators in general. Um, yeah. They're crazy. They're... I swear to God, every time I open it up, I get angry. And... <laughs> I think I'm with you, man. It's it just like drives great me anxiety. insane. I just have to turn that part of my brain off because I'm intolerable even on good days. So <laughs> I don't need to be a fridge Nazi. And I mean, there are things like first in, first out. Like I'm constantly reorganizing the milk for Hugo. Okay, uh, okay. Hugo's shelf actually the past week has been a mess. Like the lower shelf on the door is dedicated to Hugo's food. And uh, I, I, 
Just talking about it is like giving me so much anxiety because <laughs> I'm so mad at myself. I'm so literally disappointed. You know, this morning I, I pulled out a bag of onions and I'm so mad at myself because I fucking, they got moldy. And the other day I found a goddamn head of iceberg lettuce and I had to throw it away. And I'm telling you right now, I fucking curse myself out. I, f- I so found it. He's literally banging his fist on the table. Mad. We can tell because you're banging the table <laughs> right now. He's banging the God. table. I mean, like, so pissed. I'm telling you. Do you, you like, ever? <laughs> do you ever consolidate containers in your home fridge if you've eaten half the leftovers out of a out of a Tupperware? Do you consolidate to smaller? You ever do that at home or no? No. Yeah, me either. I don't. I don't. I'm like. Night and day that would drive person. you insane in a in a professional kitchen if you saw like yeah I mean it's it has nothing professional cooking has no bearing <laughs> with how I cook at home zero nothing I do professionally is how I cook at home and vice versa but again let me reiterate my complete disappointment in myself because like a couple weeks ago I ripped apart the refrigerator I sprayed everything down I cleaned everything and now it's in disarray again. And I think maybe it's because, like, we have, you know, my in-laws and Grace and people are going into one fridge. And I don't know. I can, I could talk about this all day because right now all in right. my head, I am sorting out how the hell did I let a head of lettuce fucking rot? <laughs> all right. Last, last question on this unending first question. Dave Chang, give me your prediction. We, neither one of us has ever seen the inside of Isaac Lee's refrigerator. What do you think that looks like? Hmm. <laughs> Lots of chicken breast. <laughs> Lots of really? chicken breast and uh, low-fat yogurt. Wow. But organized or, organized or messy? You think he's an organized 100% guy? organized. 100% yeah, super organized. organized. Yeah. You're right Isaac? about the organization. Uh, you're inc- incredibly incorrect about chicken breast and uh, yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I eat mostly vegan. I eat meat like twice or three times a week, maybe. So like, I actually don't have a lot of animal products in my fridge. Hmm. But animals taste great. No, they do. No, no, I still eat meat, just like not often. I, I'll eat it when I get takeout or, you know, when I'm really, really, really need the protein boost. But otherwise, I'm, I'm eating mostly grain and vegetables and fruit. Should we get you a, a Soylent subscription? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Derek Shin asks uh, via AskDave at MajorDomoMedia.com. What are your thoughts on mukbang? I'm somewhat considering showing my very picky two-year-old some mukbang, hoping to influence her to eat. It's mukbang, Derek. (laughs) Mukbang. That's my fault. That's my fault. Uh, I knew I was going to get corrected on that. Is it Uh, (laughs) D-Rec? A-A wrong. D-Rec Shine says, what are your your thoughts on mukbang? (laughs) D-Rec, it's mukbang. (laughs) We... The thing is, oh, his last name is Shin, so he's probably Korean and he probably knows. This is 100% and it's Chris me. Ying who doesn't know it's how to pronounce just it. Me. It's me. It's Chris Wying. Chris Wying. Chris Wying from uh, San Francisco asks, uh, what, is, what are your thoughts on mukbang? I don't you know, watch man. It, Do you watch it? Have you actually ever, I, I don't have you watch ever watched it. one start to finish? Have you ever watched one? I have one? never watched one start to finish, no. But my wife says that I should have a mukbang channel because she mm. said... Everything I eat makes it seem so delicious. So that <laughs> she, she, this happens all the time. When I'm eating something, she's like, I have to try it now. Because I don't even know if you're enjoying it, but it looks so good. Mm. She's right. I, she's I, I, correct. As somebody who's shared a lot of meals with you, I, uh, 
it's not even just like the way you eat, but like you are somebody who's fun to eat with, even when you're not liking the food, because there's like, there's like a joy and energy, like when, as you're eating, <laughs> like when you slurp yeah. noodles, like it, it makes me want to do the same. I don't get any of the ASMR, whatever from mukbang. Like, I, no, I, I don't know. I think it's gross. Frankly. No, it's, it's gross, but that doesn't mean we didn't pitch a TV show called Celebrity Mukbang, <laughs> which we did. We 100% we did. did. Our very first pitch to Hulu was, we got this idea. It's called Celebrity Mukbang. And they're like, what's Mukbang? Mind oh, you, God. this is a legitimate pitch. And we said, okay, we're going to get celebrities and we're going to have them sit in front of a camera and they're just going to eat and eat and eat. And they're like, ah, okay, so is there you like don't like that? Interview? What about this? We're going to pitch this to football teams <laughs> and we're going to have the offense alignment out eat the defense alignment. I swear to God, this is a real pitch. That's a great idea. I know, especially Monday Night Football. I don't know why you're and giving this away on this podcast. <laughs> you should well, pitch we 100% else. pitched it. We, 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 are, we, we pitched, we pitched it. Oh, we man. pitched it. We, I think ABC or whatever, whatever night football, they have it. And I said, listen, this would be cool. We could come in pre like on a on like a Monday Tuesday and we could film those like interstitial like segments before and uh the offense alignment you know ate just 25 like ribeyes and 50 hamburgers and 16 milkshakes like I think I'd watch I'd watch that oh yeah it's a spectacular feat it's divisive man because if you're like I think like if you're into mukbang if you're into like ASMR and you saw that you know you just like cream yourself but this just sounds gross it's just i i can't do it yeah i mean isaac as an audio producer isn't that like the number one no-no for podcasts oh, yeah. like don't I be chewing on anything hate it. the mouth noise oh it's the worst it's the absolute worst but i just literally opened up youtube and in trending like the sixth video is a mukbang so let's be honest i'll probably do one in the next uh couple <laughs> weeks just to <laughs> see right, we've got a couple we have a couple of questions i'm going to knock out a few of these at once because a lot we, we're getting some questions that are are, are on the same theme so Jeff M. and Nathan E.V., both from iTunes, are asking, essentially, you know, what your plans are for another cookbook, whether you've got a microwave-centric cookbook. They're, they're appreciating all of the varsity-level microwave magic, as Jeff M. puts it. So what's, a, what's in the hopper in terms of cookbooks from you, Chang? Well, when I did that deal to do the book, the memoir, Eat a Peach, that's out now, uh, buy it. And if you bought it, buy five more. <laughs> Um, <laughs> gift it to your families no, yeah, for yes, the holidays yeah. or use it for tinder it's fine <laughs> uh, uh, um i signed on to do another book and and even though we had done books at lucky peach i had nothing to do with any of those i mean chris made a sauces book and i'll tell you i've never even cracked that fucking book once open ever i've never even opened here that I book am, that you wrote here i am being like dave i love watching you eat and you're like i can't even look at your your books that we made well, i mean but you listen we've talked about it. there was other shit going on i, I, I wanted nothing to do with like but let's like not, I, not after, after making momofuku i never i told myself i'm never going to make another cookbook ever fucking again because i was like what's the fucking point and in order to get the deal, I had I had to agree to a- another cookbook, and I was like, "Oh fuck," you know. And that was done after the memoir. So during the memoir, I kept on getting notes from our publisher, Clarkson Potter, being like, "You know, you, you gotta <laughs> gotta give us this other book now." And I was like, "God damn it!" Mm-hmm. So we are writing a book, and I think some people know this because I think it's been in the press with Priya Krishna, our former colleague, who's been on. Uh, the show and we talked uh, about it when she was on. Yeah, we talked about it and on, and, and 
I, again, have never cooked at home, really, with the exception of maybe a handful of times for special occasions over the years, like Thanksgiving and, and, and holidays like that. Until my wife became pregnant with Hugo, did I ever take it seriously. And then I really started cooking at home in earnest. And then obviously after, and as she was nursing and trying to sort of feed her and, and now my son, and now that I've been cooking, I don't know how many meals uh, in quarantine, I don't know, several hundreds of meals. I have certainly developed a style of cooking that is all my own. I think I'm sure other people do it, but it's very weird. And it's mm. not how I would ever cook in a professional kitchen. It is about speed. It's about using pantry items. Most importantly, too, it's about not doing dishes. It's mostly <laughs> one pot cooking. It's a lot of sandbagging, which is about using innovative ways to save time. It's a lot of the microwave. It's a lot of cooking in a hybrid wok. A lot of microwave. A lot of different things. And... Um, it's not about following recipes. So I think tentatively this book is going to be called How Not to Follow Recipes because I'd argue that the current way how most people cook, at least in America and maybe Europe, is all based on an old paradigm of white people food, basically. Mm -hmm. And if you go around the world, nobody uses recipes, especially at home. Mm -hmm. And I'd also argue that making recipes has made people dumber, like idiocracy, like dumb. And made mm. people not necessarily better cooks, but worse cooks. In the same vein of this, if you use spell check your entire life, that doesn't mean you have learned how to spell. And if you <laughs> now grow up you having navigation on your phone and GPS, you're never going to actually develop a sense of direction, especially mm. when you learn to drive. And this is, I think, something that in the cooking process has been leapt over and marginalized is intuition. And... You know, my mom has never given me a recipe, ever. Partly, I think she's punking me, but partly she's never had one. It's all about intuition. And, and I think it's about making food perfectly imperfect. And the best recipe that I've ever read in my life, which is very obnoxious to someone that is not a professional cook, is a chef we've talked a lot about on this podcast, Pascal Bobo, the chef of L'Estrance in Paris, one of the best chefs in the world, had a book, and it was in French, and we should talk about his cooking and his style and how intuitive he is. But he is, bar none, one of the most respected technicians, cooks. He's very intuitive. He's like free flow jazz. Anyway, he had a recipe for halibut or no, for turbo, roasted turbo, halibut or turbo. Anyway, it was a flatfish. And he said, this, the recipe is this, cook it every day for six months. <laughs> That's right. That was the best recipe I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. And again, Totally obnoxious, but he's not. If you know him, he generally means this. He's not trying to be a bro. He's not trying to be like, just do it. What he's trying to say is a very zen-like thing. To truly know how to coax the flavor and to get the perfect cuisson and all of this stuff on making fish cookery perfect is repetition and doing it over and over. And that's the recipe. He, if you work for him in a restaurant, that would literally be the recipe. Hmm. Just do this all the time. That's not a recipe that translates to home cooks. So mm -hmm. this book is an attempt to try to encapsulate some like system of working with intuition and utilizing things that you may have overlooked in your kitchen to your advantage moving forward. Yeah, I think you know the conversations that we've had about this cookbook are 
there's two sides to it. One, I, I think that since you started cooking at home, like the other, the other discovery is, and maybe this is what you were saying, but I think as a professional cook, you tend to thumb your nose at home cooking and home cookbooks. And, and it's just like, that's not, I don't care about that. That's not uh, my concern. But once you're thrown in and you have to feed your own family, you realize like, you know, at Lucky Peach, we used to run like nonsense recipes that were impossible to cook at home. They were just, they were not for home cooks. And I thought that was hilarious. But then I started, when I had to cook for my kids, I was like, holy shit. Like, what a dumb thing to be snobby about it. And But the other thing that you're trying to do is like, you have recognized the importance of it and the need for it, but you're, you're, you're trying to tell home cooks that if you tell them exactly what to do and when to put the thing in there and how much of it to put in, you're not really helping them. Like, you're right. not really going to get them anywhere better. So it's, it's a delicate balance. I think you, you want to like help people. Okay. Let me give you an example of like why this recipe, this book really is not going to have recipes. And I'm not trying to be obnoxious here because <laughs> it just comes naturally. It just comes naturally. Right. <laughs> but like, oh, listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to do some content again on normal pot. It's just been hard with life. And, uh, I microwave, I mean, I've been working on this project that we'll talk about later. It's a, it's a microwave thing, and I won't talk about more, more about that. But one of the dishes that I make the most is just microwave vegetables, just in a container, microwave for about five minutes, and then I just use Momofuku Chili Crunch on it. That's it. And I toss it, nothing else. And I posted something on it, and that's what it is. I said, literally, this is what I said. Currently, my biggest use of chili crunch is mixing chili crunch with microwave vegetables. That's it. Two ingredients, simple. And people get incredibly angry, militant anger at not getting the recipe. Mm -hmm. We have become so spoon-fed and so accustomed to just getting all the information that it's like, just give me the fucking directions, asshole. Like, just Mm -hmm. give it to me or I can look it up. I'm like, just think about it. Is it West or is it East? Like, by not even asking these self-reflective questions, it is going to perpetuate you being a shitty cook your entire life or someone that just makes replicas yeah. and ingredients are constantly changing. You know, as I've talked about a head of lettuce, if I got it fresh, I'd probably cook it as a salad. But if it was a little bit older, I would have not made a salad. I would have stir fried it, right? And like, Everything's changing in, in a world of data. We talk about sports a lot. If you have a game plan in a game and you don't deviate from it, you're probably going to fucking lose. You need to have a plan and you need to analyze the data, see how things are flowing and adjust accordingly. And that's what we need to do. Recipes are a sh- mere guideline. And if people are like, do I break up the cauliflower? Listen, I'm not trying to be condescending. I would say, yes, you can actually microwave a whole head of cauliflower. But you could also break it up. Now, if you microwave a whole head of cauliflower or you take the same head of cauliflower and you break it up into smaller florets and you microwave it, what do you think is the difference, Chris Yang? Cooking time. Why would that change? I mean, if it's one dense head, it's going to be harder for the middle to cook. Right. And if you understand microwave cooking and the technology, the microwaves are attracted to the densest area. So again, a whole head of microwave cauliflower will take longer because the microwaves aren't going to penetrate the center as whatever. If I break it up, that's not going to be the case. It's pretty common sense. So someone that's like, just give me the fucking answer. I'm like, you have it. Use your fucking head. It's Mm -hmm. as common sense as anything out there. Mm -hmm. But people don't want to use their fucking head. And I don't, I'm not going to say I don't have patience for it. I'm trying to tell people 
you have the answers. Stop asking people for help. And the more you can rely on your own intuition, that's the kind of cooking we need. Yeah. I think that is like a kind of amazing example. Like (laughs) here you are saying like, hey, all I did is microwave cauliflower and add chili crunch to it. (laughs) How'd you do it? Give me the steps. How'd you do it? It's insane. I understand if you're like, oh, I made this, I made fouilletine. And I and I baked it into this cake and I did this crazy thing. You know, like I understand it if it's like I, I made it. Well, I need the exact time. How how what what temperature did you use? Like what, what was the plate? And how much chili crisp did you use? I'm can like, you give me the serial Christ. number, the serial number on your microwave so I can just order I'll the be same honest, one? I, I I'm not trying to joke about this. I think this is a real problem. And we talk about that end scene in Wally where all the humans are fucking morbidly obese in the floating chairs. Like This is why we're headed there. Unless you can fucking use your brain to think otherwise, like, stop it. Just use your fucking brain and your common sense. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, Spencer from Portland asks, I'd like to get a better grasp of Asian pantry ingredients. I understand that every country and culture in Asia has different cuisines and that there are infinite regions and traditions with nuanced differences within that. I'm just trying to stock my pantry with some versatile basics. I get discouraged whenever I pick up a recipe for a dish and I have to buy two to three new things that I don't really know how to use outside the recipe. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Spencer, to ask this recipe question immediately on the tail of this recipe discussion. Uh, I'm a fish sauce user, but what are four or five more versatile ingredients that could get me a little further? Understandable if your answer is F this white boy. Spencer, I would never say F this white boy. (laughs) That's just not in my vocabulary and not in my functioning as a human being. So it's it's actually insulting to think that Dave would say such a thing. But before I get into this, like, I just love that TV show Spencer for Hire. I think that got redone on Netflix with Mark Wahlberg. That's a good movie. Oh, yeah, by yeah, the way. yeah. Okay. Well, like, yeah, yeah. That was like a, a big movie or at the beginning of quarantine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the better Mark Wahlberg films and another, probably the best of the Mark Wahlberg genre, the Ouvoir or Over, what is it? Oof. How do you pronounce it? Ouvre. 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 Is uh, the other guys, and you can you can see that on 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 uh, streaming right now with Will was that Ferrell. Will Ferrell? Is that Will? So, Ferrell? Yeah. I think that's a fucking hilarious movie. So good, so good. <laughs> anyway, Spencer for Hire, I thought was pretty good, and there was also a shit TV show growing up. 
But not as good as The Equalizer with Denzel Washington. That was probably one of the best TV remakes <laughs> in the movies I've ever seen in my life. Equalizer, I own both one and two. Fucking phenomenal. Oh, okay. That should be a bad movie club. Really great. The first Equalizer, I thought, was just maybe the best work <laughs> Denzel's ever fucking done. Ever. And there you anyway, have it, Spencer. Um, Spencer, <laughs> you talked about fish sauce. Well, let me tell you, I have squid, I have fish, I have probably four different kinds of that genre. But when you break it down, I don't think you need to be searching for the exact thing. But hmm. Hopefully this makes sense. You're looking for the genre to be the same. So when you're, when, if I don't have fish sauce, but I have soy sauce, okay, that's good enough. Maybe I don't have soy sauce, but I have Worcestershire. Okay, that's not the same. And especially if you're going to make like a vinaigrette or something that's more Vietnamese. Okay, so that's not the same. So maybe I'll just, you know, puree some anchovies. Like it, it just allows you to do that. Or maybe I'll thin out some soy sauce and add some dried shrimp or whatever. But what you're trying to get, obviously, is a little bit of the fish element. But ultimately, you're trying to get salty umami. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can replicate that with not even using that. Just use Parmesan. Mm-hmm. And I do that all the time. So you need the salt. You need umami. You have acidity. It's the same thing. Like if a recipe, Spencer, that said you have to use Banyol's vinegar. I'm like, I'm not going to fucking buy Banyol's <laughs> vinegar. You know what I mean? Or you have to use champagne vine- vinegar. I'm like, no, I'm not going to buy another fucking thing of that. Or it says you need to use like lemon thyme vinegar. You know what I'm not going to buy? Lemon thyme vinegar. I'm just going to buy rice wine vinegar. Rice wine vinegar is my vinegar of choice. It's cl- the cleanest vinegar, I think. And uh, it's just very versatile. I also love sherry vinegar. But again, like I love cooking with sherry vinegar. You know what I don't have at home? Sherry vinegar. Mm-hmm. Sherry vinegar and soy sauce goes really well together. But I think there's other ways to score the points. You know what I mean? Like think about it like sports. All you're trying to do is win the game, score as many points as possible. There's different ways for you to score this point. So look at it that way. And if you're looking for heat, the same thing. It's like, I don't have any dry chili peppers, but I have this bottle of hot sauce. Like, well, that's what you're looking for is heat. So when you look at the recipe or you're thinking about a dish to make, you don't want to actually, yes, you want to make it as close to that as humanly possible, especially when you're making savory foods. But part of this is you're using your intuition and there's a lot of things you can sort of replace or do the same kind of cooking that I know that Chris's parents and Isaac's parents and certainly my mom did when they came to this country. I want to make this dish based on Korean food, but I don't have the ingredients available to me, but I want to eat something close to that. So I'm going to use the ingredients around me and the products that I'm unfamiliar with, but I'm going to taste and I'm going to like find a way to get to Jason Giambi. Right? It's like, think about it like Moneyball. If you watch yeah. the movie or read the book, Michael Lewis, all you're looking for is fucking on-base percentage of Jason Giambi. And you can get three players to do that. And that's a problem is everyone is looking for that perfect player. I'm like, stop it. There's other ways you can, as an amalgamation, get to that cheaper, better, and way less easier than finding that exact fucking ingredient. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point, Shang. I think that you're, you're, when you're looking at a recipe, it shouldn't be like, okay, I need two tablespoons of soy sauce. It should be, 
what is what is the function here of the soy sauce? What's the function of the mirin? What's the function of this thing or the other thing? And maybe, you know, you need to have some familiarity with those ingredients to know what the function is. But like, that's how that's how I cook, certainly, and, and inspired by Dave. It's like, okay, well, I need some umami. What do I have? Okay, I, I need some acidity. What well, do I rules. have? Listen, like, I was watching something by Warren Sharp, who has got a podcast now with The Ringer. Yeah. Um, and he was just commenting about how the Patriots a couple of years ago were doing that offset formation, bringing a wide receiver or a lineman, and it was a it was a bizarre lineup. That's something you would play in high school. But you know that year the NFL changed the rule books a little bit, and they took advantage of it. And they only did it in the second half because if they played the Ravens like three years ago, the Ravens would have adjusted accordingly. They only unleashed it the second half because they didn't know they knew that the other team didn't do their homework enough. And this is where knowledge is so fucking important. Knowledge is part of mise en place. Mise en place is everything in its place is the terminology. It's not just the ingredients. It is having a purpose. And yes, I oftentimes am cooking completely off the cuff. But in some ways, maybe the best way to describe this isn't necessarily Moneyball and Jason Jambi. It's if you're following a recipe like to the milligram every step of the way, buying every fucking ingredient, that's not to say that you won't make a delicious dish, but you're basically being like a dramatic actor and you're only doing like one thing and very few people can do anything outside of that. Or let me just say this, maybe by just following recipes over and over and over again, you become like a typecast sci-fi figure like Star Trek, or you become like a soap opera, daytime soap opera, where it's really hard to like <laughs> ever grow out of that. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the characters that populate TV sitcoms and dramas and everything, I would say majority without any data had some basis in comedy first, in improvising first. And that's what I tried to do. In some ways, how I'm cooking is improvising. But improvising doesn't mean like just go out there and do nothing. You are literally practicing so you can improvise. And that's what I think the, we talked about recipes before, but it's also the ingredients that are around you. And, you know, Spencer, whatever you're thinking, it's genuinely important to know, right? Hey, I want to get this dish, but I think this is about control as well. And it's about marketing. It's about people to have you spend more fucking money than you need to on ingredients. You need some things. You don't need it all. And having some know-how and some wisdom and a little bit of trickery can allow you to coax flavors and get a close approximation. You're not looking for it to be authentic. I don't think you should be cooking authentically at home. You should be looking for something that should be extremely delicious and easy to do. To play devil's advocate, let's say Dave Chang, you walked into Spencer's house and you were trying to cook dinner and you were like, hey, do you have any, do you have any soy sauce? Do you have any mirin? What would the things, <laughs> are there not a couple ingredients that you'd be like, what the fuck, you don't have soy sauce in your house? What the fuck? You don't have any mirrors. A lot of here's the thing: a lot of people don't have soy sauce because we're making. You know, Momofuku selling it. A lot of this is because we realize that the products that are out there suck or not good enough, or there's some kind of hole, or we have something that we've been working on for a while that's different, like our chili crunch. Right? It's something that we wouldn't do unless we feel that there's a reason to do it. And I don't want anyone to think that they have to know soy sauce. Most people don't know what soy sauce is. I'll tell you right now: most people buy salted caramel water with mm-hmm. food coloring. They have mm-hmm. no idea that it's actually not soy sauce. They have no idea that really delicious soy sauce is actually lower in sodium. 
Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of salt in your soy sauce, it means that it's for mass production and easy to do because the higher salt means less microbial action, easy to make, easy to store, all of that stuff. So you're just salt water. But listen, like anything else that you produce, there are good and they're bad. And I would probably argue that most people have not soy sauce. They have something else, especially the packets you get. That's not soy sauce. Let me, let me tell you, that is not fucking soy sauce. Mm-hmm. That is salt water. Mm-hmm. That's been colorized with like caramel and, and food coloring. And- which, which speaks even more to your original point of just like, it's, it's about what is the flavor doing and, and can I get it some other way? I mean, you think about like, I was just saying mirin, right? But if you look on the back of most mirin bottles, it's also just like ethanol with sugar. Yeah. It's not mirin. It's not rice wine. It's so, just- so I, I don't even add mirin a lot of times because really good mirin is expensive and I'm not going to have Super that. Super expensive. So a lot of times I'm just adding agave. Mm-hmm. I cook with agave so much because it's easier. It's not crazy expensive. It's something that is not like high corn fructose syrup. I also like using agave because I can easily pour it out and I don't have to like wait for the sugar to dissolve, but it has that sweetness, right? And mirin to me has a little bit of sweetness. And if I want to add some kind of alcoholic content, I almost always have an old bottle of white wine mm-hmm. in the fridge. So I'll add agave and a splash of white wine. I find that a white wine that works really well to replicate some of that, the mirin flavor is Riesling. Cooking mm-hmm. with Riesling. And a lot of people, I don't have that. Fine, just use fucking Chardonnay or whatever fuck you have. <laughs> and that's, that's it. Is there's a lot of different ways to get Jason Gian. Yeah. Dave only cooks with, with Raveneau. That's, he only uses white wine. And I haven't had a bottle of Raveneau in a long time. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good. Um, all right, let's try to let's try to get through a, a bunch. I'm going to try to knock out some multiples here again. We're we're toward the end of our time, so we got we've got a lot. Every time we do a bad movie club, we get a lot of response, a lot of suggestions for other bad movies, and and I thought maybe maybe it's worth just talking through a little bit of this because I'll, I'll read you some of the suggestions, and we should figure out what we're talking about here. Anna Patek says, "I think a great flip on bad movie club would be great movie club. If I had one, I would give my left." peanut emoji to hear you guys get into a really great food movie like Big Night or Babette's Feast. Um, Amy Andriana Toandro suggests Derek <laughs> suggests Death to Smoochie. Oh, here's another thing that's happened that I'm uh I don't know if I'm excited or very sad about, but every other email we get to the Dave Chang show email address is now signed off with Excelsior. So thanks for that. Thanks for that, Dave. Excelsior! Great. Great. Love to attach that to our brand. Uh, Matthew Wool, Woolley suggests we, we do the Korean TV series, Please Take Care of My Refrigerator or Chef in My Fridge, which we know, <laughs> Dave, you, yeah. you love. Say, say it again, Isaac. <laughs> it's good. It's a good program. I love that show. It's, it's fucking funny. hilarious. Yeah. It's so good. Ben Rolston um, suggests Buckaroo Banzai or Big Trouble in Little China. Amanda Lewis, as a Torontonian and a young adult, <laughs> liked our, our F-word podcast. Mm. She suggests, if you want to watch another movie with Harry Potter, you should check out Guns Akimbo. And Casey Clapp suggests the movie Go and signs off Excelsior. I like so, Go. Anyway. Go's, Go's a good movie. Doug, Doug Lehman did it. And Katie Holmes. That's right. It. That's right. That's right. And there's a lot of uh, Molly, Molly eating. A lot of Molly in that one. And so, I, love, I, 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 love, I love Molly. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's talking about Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I thought this was interesting. We got a lot of suggestions. You know, we've talked a little bit on this podcast about what a bad movie really is and, and, and started to codify it a little bit with Eddie Huang when we did uh, The Last Dragon. But, Chang, I don't know. Like, a lot of suggestions, a lot of different things here. What are you thinking about the direction of Bad Movie Club and, and the sort of stuff we're, you're most interested in talking about? Well, I want to... Uh, I don't know if it was just Eddie. I think we're headed there anyway. Like, of course, I want to do Rima Williams and Big Trouble in Little China, for sure. But it gets a little myopic, a little redundant, because the movies are the same. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll hopefully realize that we, we will constantly iterate, polishing, trying to make it better. And I don't know if the F word is exactly the kind of bad movie club thing, but I'm glad because it broke up the super bro movies that we've been doing. Um, hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. But there's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good movie. And I, I, I think what Bad Movie Club really is, is movies that are underappreciated, that are really meaningful to not just one person, Isaac, but a okay. whole group of people. <laughs> and underrepresented in greater culture. And that uh-huh. underrepresentation or misunderstanding is a lot like MSG or, mm-hmm. you know, Chinese restaurant syndrome or something where it's cultural ignorance, not a, it's not based on cultural truth. And I think The Last Dragon is a perfect example of that as it's one of my favorite movies. I think we go into detail how it was instrumental in Eddie's life and my life and how it shaped both of our careers. How can that not be considered a fucking hugely important movie? But no, I don't think people talk about it. And maybe other people feel the same way, but it's never had the platform to do so. So I'm open to any and every kind of movie. You know, like Gattaca is one that like Dave Cho and I would probably do. Maybe bad movie. Maybe our next movie club is Gattaca. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we ran into some problems, Chang. Like, I think we, we, we enjoyed Demolition Man. And then we ran into a little trouble with Burnt right off the bat because we realized that if the bad movie just club... just sucks because everyone hates it. I forgot that we It's just burnt. movies that suck and we don't like. I think I erased that out of my memory. I was like, we did Burnt? That doesn't, that doesn't work. And, and again, this is literally how I run my business, how I live my life. We try shit, we analyze, and we try to fucking make it better. And Burnt was something that I think we did because a lot of people wanted us to talk about it because we talked about it so poorly in our podcast over the years. And it's a shit movie. It's a it was hard because after five minutes of being like, "What a piece of shit," you sort of realize all we're going to talk about is what is. I mean, that that podcast, you, you and I ended up having a nice conversation just about the business more generally. But it was hard. We dragged Joe House into it and, and stuck him in the mire, and we we couldn't get out. So, and I don't it, think Big Night is Big Night is a good movie, and it's, it's well just respected. A good movie. Um, yeah, Bobette's Feast I find to be boring. <laughs> you know, that's just me. Yeah. Uh, and I can never look at it the same way because it's, uh, you know, Lady Stark. <laughs> yeah. But it could, it also could be a take. Like, I can't remember the film. Like, I love Tarantino. And there, did you ever hear his take on Top Gun and how it's a battle of homosexuality versus yeah. heterosexuality? Like, mm-hmm. these alternative takes on the universe. Mm-hmm. That I'm fun. into as well, right? I'm into and, that as well. I think otherwise, they're like, tell us why this movie that has been panned is actually important to you. Right. Like speaks to you, you know, like that's the case to be made. Panned or, or overlooked, right? I don't, I don't think we should leave it at panned. Overlooked or just sort of like written off. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or misunderstood. Well, like, listen, 
panned or misunderstood was Blade Runner in like mm-hmm. 1983. Hmm. And I still think the one by Denis Villeneuve was unbelievable, but mm-hmm. it didn't like, I, I don't know why people didn't fucking like it, but I don't think that speaks to the kind of bad movie club that we want to do either. Cause it's not a bad movie. It just wasn't like transcendent. So it has to people. be qualitatively bad. Is that, is that where we're delineating? Well, you know what? Let, let's go back to this. Uh-huh. I think what we want to look are movies or anything in culture that is there, let's just ask, are there albums or books that were just straight out panned, but later were seen as, holy fuck, that was unreal. Art. Like Zora Neale Hurston wrote Their Eyes Were Watching God. She, I, I think, died penniless. And that book has become an American classic read in, by every single English student yeah, ever. Van you know? Gogh. Van Gogh. Know. Like, I mean, Isaac, I was expecting you to say The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. <laughs> <laughs> Atlas Shrugged. Just oh, so dramatically God. underrated. God, the message. I, I don't know why, but <laughs> oh who God. is John Gogh? I think yeah. I might vote for Trump after reading The Fountainhead. <laughs> oh, my God. No. No. no absolutely not. Absolutely oh not. Okay, so the other thing that I got, that we got... The other most emailed about subject in the last couple of weeks has been a response to, I think, Cheng, I forget what we were talking about, uh, but it was about the spring rolls and a solution for keeping fresh spring rolls fresh the next day. So we got a lot of suggestions here. You tell me if you've tried any of these and uh, whether any of these sound like they'll work. But a lot of people are writing in that uh, Tori Wong says you have to wrap the spring rolls individually with saran wrap, then put them in a stasher bag and then microwave with a damp paper towel around them for 20 seconds. No, I, I, I saw a lot of these, and I, I'm, I'm just going to say roundly I disagree. I, 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 no, because you're microwaving the lettuce. Uh, Van Lim Ma says, put a little bit of oil on a paper wrapper and then wrap it tight with cling wrap. Don't put it in the fridge. It can last a day or two at room temp. No, because then you're going to get sick. Listen, all of this is no. It, it, it just is one of those things. It's like... Can you uh, refreeze melted ice cream? Of course you can. <laughs> Doesn't mean you should. It's not ice cream anymore because you've, you know, taken all the air out of it. I, I, it's the same thing with French fries. Could you save a you French could. fry? Yeah, you could. Should you? <laughs> a yeah, spring roll. Yes, I, of course, I know there are ways you could do it to prolong it. But to microwave, and I am the biggest advocate for microwave cooking. Have I tried to do it before? Yes. But you get pockets. Just the way the microwave works, you're going to get pockets that are harder on the outside, not soft. And if you wait for it to be soft on the outside, inevitably the lettuce is going to wilt. I think a spring roll should be enjoyed in that window it was made. And let's just do that. That's what I think. Most importantly, if people haven't had a, you know, Vietnamese spring or summer roll, Nam Nuong. Well, it's the same thing. Like, can you save a taco? Like, <laughs> uh, I guess you could microwave it and reheat it or pan fry it. Here's the, here's the main reason why I have a problem with summer rolls. If you're not making them at home, if you're buying them, as I've been doing, because they deliver incredibly well, and I am flush with great Vietnamese restaurants on the east side of LA, the problem is if you don't order enough, you really fucked up dinner so you got to order enough where people feel full and that's the real 
big choice you have to make in your life that day is how many orders, because inevitably they come in orders of three or sometimes two, and you got to do multiples and it's hard to figure out what the fuck it's the right order number. I would say, even if I'm eating something else, even if we've ordered other food from the restaurant, I'm always good for four to six personally. Yeah. Where are you at? I mean, so we've been ordering from four different places recently. And every time, because we've been trying to order more from delivery, not just me cooking, mainly because I've been tired of cooking so much, but also I want to be able to support restaurants. My wife is like, you ordered four orders of summer rolls where they're four pieces each. So that's 16 <laughs> for <laughs> four, four of us. Yep. And you got two orders of banh mi's and four orders of pho. <laughs> and you got like a fried rice or something else. Like, what the fuck? Like, I can't help myself. That's the other problem with summer rolls. Like, I can't just eat summer rolls. I need to have something else. That's just generosity, though. You're like, I'm going to eat four to six of these. So I assume that the rest of you will, too. I've just... But I don't want to just eat four to six. Like, I need something hot. I'm with you. I need something else. And that's that's my dilemma. I mean, man, what a privileged life when I'm talking about my dilemma being like... (laughs) No, 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 no. I I feel you because, like, you couldn't... I would eat four and then half of one of those banh mi's and a bunch of pho. But... I don't think I could just replace the pho with four more summer rolls. You know what I mean? You'd need that hot satisfaction. <laughs> um, does anyone Does anyone feel our pain? Does anyone know <laughs> the loneliness that I feel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isaac, do you understand? Can you empathize? Not really, no. Why? Why? <laughs> why? I mean, you just, you, you should just eat as, you know, what sates you. I, I don't know. So again, send those resumes in to ask David. Yeah. What the fuck do you mean you don't know? <laughs> I mean, I've seen you fucking eat. You see me order food. Yeah. Like, it, you always order like way too much for the table. And it's great. It's no, awesome. I, I take the leftovers too. home. It's awesome. It's awesome when I'm eating with you. I actually get very, like, this is, this is a uh, jokes, jokes aside, Chang, do you ever get, so I get criticized all the time by my family by, about how much food I order and, and not really a joking way, like a semi joking way. But it really like, I get really upset <laughs> when people criticize how much food I order. Because I feel like it's just, I don't, I never want to have too little food for everybody. Leave me alone. I'm starving. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Damn, I, was th- I thought Chang was going to give me some fucking sympathy. <laughs> no, because I'm the same way. Remember, at my father's funeral, my uncle said, you need to lose weight. That was the only thing he said. So, uh, yeah, I, I, my family of notorious eaters still will throw that shit around. So, no, I, I get it. But I don't know. Like, I, when you're ordering out, especially now in quarantine, like, I don't want just ordering enough. I get it. I always want to cook enough or to make sure that nothing goes to waste. First and foremost, let me say that. But when I order food for delivery, it's not about having it all then. It's about having it multiple times over the next day mm. or two. Nothing gets thrown mm. away. Which is why the spring roll thing is so hard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's my fucking dilemma. <laughs> I listen to <laughs> telling you, it's just like, it's a lot like, you saw how frustrated I get over the fucking rotting head of lettuce. I'm legitimately trying to figure out how to order properly the right amount of fucking Vietnamese summer rolls without 
overdoing it, and I don't think it's possible. It's like a Gordian knot. There's yeah. no other fucking way. <laughs> if I can turn it around for one second, uh, I, I do think, I think you guys are more patient people than I. Because if I order food, I'm going to eat all of it. I'm not going to save it. Like, I can think, I can plan on saving it. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't Isaac, happen. That's, that I'm telling you, man, like, I'm not trying to be condescending, but like, that's just a rookie move, man. I because, guess so, man. Yeah. Because that means that you have not ordered enough. <laughs> as soon as we finish, as soon as we wrap this up, I'm I'm gonna go eat the third burrito I ordered yesterday. That's in my refrigerator, <laughs> just for this moment. Wow. So okay. Yeah. You, you you have to learn. This is to become <laughs> a grass, big boy. This is this yeah, is what that become a real big boy Asian club. Yeah. If you All really right. want to be in the big boy Asian club, you need to show multiple days and multiple meals where you have taken your appetite <laughs> towards delight into unhappiness. <laughs> The big boy Asian Delight club. Into oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you know, culinary <laughs> pleasure into sheer pain. Right. The point of diminishing returns needs to be like fully ramped up. You can't stop yourself. Okay. No, it's like it's like a Catholic approach. We're we're both enjoying ourselves and paying penitence at the same time. <laughs> wow. You know, if you don't know what it's like to eat till you're unhappy, then you can't be part of this. I club. mean, I do know that, but I don't enjoy it. Like, I would like to not experience that. I don't enjoy it either, <laughs> but I have no choice. <laughs> Jesus is instructing okay. me. All right. The last the last thing I wanted to take us out on, just special shouts to Ken Fulton, who, who writes in, did Chris get a note to start giggling every time Dave swears or says something mildly funny? It's getting out of hand and has gotten in my head and is distracting. Uh, yes, Ken. I get paid like Charles Dickens by the it's giggle. It's part of the contract. Uh, yeah. It's part of the contract. And just so you know, my mom thinks my laugh is is nice, and I think that Dave is funny. So I'm sorry, oh, Ken, but I'm just gonna keep laughing at Jing. Hey, Ken, you're the one person where I'm gonna ask. Give us one star. <laughs> <laughs> give us one star. However, you rate this podcast. Oh my god! Oh, my god. I say fuck you, Jobu. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, Cheng. Uh, take us out. Take us out. Give us one star if you are Ken. <laughs> <laughs> However you rate this podcast. Oh my God. Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. If you also like Chris's laugh and his giggle, <laughs> give us five stars. Oh, but man. Ken, you you have the permission to give us one star. <laughs> What's his problem? Is this his problem that you're a happy person and that you like to laugh? I don't know. It like severely. It's. I mean, we don't have to talk okay, about it. It's okay. severely I mean, listen, bumping like, up, but whatever. That's some Thanos shit. Okay, okay. <laughs> Ken. Oh my god. Are you the only person cheering Thanos on? <laughs> I hope he I hope he gets the gauntlet to, to eliminate half the half the world, half the universe population. Watching watching Star Wars being like, oh, I hope the Empire wins. Yeah. Empire can quash this little rebellion. God damn it, Schindler. Why did you have to save all those people? Uh, Voldemort, yeah. Voldemort, you gotta kill Harry. I know. <laughs> Why won't they just say his name? He's so, He's powerful. so powerful. He's the best wizard. The Dark Lord. Oh. All right.